Hello and welcome to The Green Room, a podcast presented by The Handshake Agency. I'm your host, Tiana Speter, and I am coming to you live from lockdown. But it is a treat to have you joining me today, and I hope wherever you are and whatever you're up to, your day is being extra awesome to you. On the lockdown topic, as per the last few weeks, I am just flagging if you hear some strange background noises or some mild honking in the background. No, I have not bought geese. Um, We can thank the extremely busy main road that I live on, but I do have to admit I've been finding that the chats I've been having of late have been a very nice distraction from the dull roar of traffic. So a big thank you to my guests and a big thank you to you listening for persevering with me. For those playing along at home, last week I got to spend some time in the metaphorical jungle with Sam Hales of the Jungle Giants, with the group releasing their sublime new album Love Signs last week and some exciting new possible career prospects for me and Sam too after that chat. We both cooked up some, um, I'm calling it great, some may disagree, but some great new content ideas to delight and possibly confound the general public. But it was also just a really lovely look into the way Sam and the band have survived and thrived since starting in high school and some amazing insight into embracing the stress and chaos of a creative endeavour and turning it to good as well. Love Signs is definitely an album to pop into your playlist, especially if you need a little lift right about now. Speaking of pop, my guest today could quite literally be dubbed the patron saint of pop, and I did just that in our chat today, in fact. Jack Antonoff is a name intrinsically infused with the world of pop and beyond as well. Whether you know him by his solo project Monica Bleachers, his work with New York Popsters Fun, his indie rockwares as lead vocalist for Steel Train, Or perhaps his producing pedigree with the likes of Taylor Swift, Troy Sivan, Lord, Lana Del Rey, and literally too many others to list here. It is safe to say Jack's a dazzling force to be reckoned with in the musical realms, and he's just a hell of a nice guy too. With the brand new Bleachers album Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night dropping into the world today, I grabbed some time with Jack just before its release to chat creative excitement, hometown connections, and his early live show days. Okay, well, hello, Jack, and it's amazing to speak to you on the other side of the world today, but thank you so much for coming on to the green room with me. Uh, Of course. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's amazing. Well, it's been a little bit of a strange year for a lot of us, I think. I mean, I know especially all around the world, we all thought we'd be out of all this craziness in 2021, but you are kicking massive goals in the second half of the year in so (laughs) many ways, and the most imminent thing is, of course, the third studio album for Bleachers take the sadness out of a Saturday night. I feel like it's the third studio album for Bleachers, but like I, I want to say it's like a millionth personal album for you seemingly with how many projects you've had your hands in and how prolific your discography is at this point. How do you feel now that you are poised on this release? Is it just a well-oiled machine and you can just kind of do this in your sleep or do you still get a little bit of nervous excitement when you're at this stage of release? No, I mean, I mean, I feel like every song you write or every album you make, you you finish it and you feel this moment of euphoria and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know how I did that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. Um, I think that's what's really interesting and also maddening about this work is you can't just sit down and do it. I, I can't just sit down and write a song. I could try. It might sound like a song, but it, I won't have that magic that is all that matters. And so you spend so much time just waiting and thinking and looking for it. And so, no, I, I feel the exact opposite of I'm sort of left in this place of slightly mystified where I was like, I don't know how I did that. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. And I don't know what to do with myself. 
Mm, it's an incredible thing as a creative. Like it's not so much that you're a conduit for stuff, but so often like in a similar way, some people sit there looking at a blank page and all of a sudden something's written. Like it is kind of that amazing flow state you go through, but take that's the what, you, that's what you want. You, you want, you want that. You want it to, to flow through you and you want to express something that wasn't obvious to you. If, you know, if you know something very well, it's probably not interesting. Like it's about finding those pieces of yourself that are sort of like quietly shouting in the background and letting them come through. So it's almost a little scary and a little shocking. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like though, I, as I've, as I've gotten older in life, the stuff that scares me, I realize it's the stuff I actually need in my life because I was yeah. sitting in my comfort zone for so long. And so, yeah, it's nice to hear you say that because especially considering how prolifically beautiful this album is. So it's, it's inspiring to know that it's, yeah, the comfort zone yeah, isn't always yeah. the best, best place. I mean, if you're in the comfort zone, then you could make the argument that you're not growing and you want to just stay there's that great Bowie quote about staying, you know, keep walking into that point where the water's right up to your mouth. Like that's where you want to be. Otherwise, um, otherwise you've been there, which is, you know, kind of no good for anything. It's definitely no good for art, but it, but it's also no good for growing and living. You know, you just, you want to ask the questions that scare the shit out of you. And then you want to know things. And, and some people it's, manifest in different ways for me I ask those questions through songs and through performances and my work mm, absolutely and reaching this point with this work I mean I believe that this album was actually coming to life way back in 2019 even um which quietly feels like it was about 10 years ago I don't know about you but um got looking back to that it feels point, like obviously, a fucking hundred years ago but it sure. does you're right a century <laughs> But looking back to that point, not just with what's happened in the last year and a bit in between that, but was there an overarching idea that kind of sparked this album journey? Like, do you ever go into it with an idea of what you want it to become? Well, like what you said, is it just something that just starts happening and you're kind of just dragged along with this process organically? There's almost two sides. There's this first side of you're trying things, you're having ideas and you're grabbing at things and you're writing and you're almost in this free association, both like lyrically melodically and sonically anything goes you're, you're trying to find it and then one day for me i remember i was on my bike in this uh beach town where i live in new jersey and i was riding around i was listening to this, kind of some of the tapes of what i had been doing and it just hit me like a fucking ton of bricks i just saw it and as soon as you see it as soon as you know what the album is even if it's just a glimpse but as soon as you know it in your in your in your soul you're you you never go back to the place you're in now you're just boom you're in the new place of of almost finishing it, even if it's loose, because now you see the picture and you kind of just have to color it in. And if anything, in a weird way, it's a relief to see it. And then it becomes a very, very stressful time because you just you keep your eye on this thing and you know what it is. And knowing what it is creates the burden of doing it the way you feel it. Mm, absolutely. And I guess at that point too, it's it's not like, it's like when you have a dog and you meet a dog and you name it, like once it's got a name, once it's got a thing, like you become more emotionally attached to it. And it's the same with so many things in your life. And you are personally yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> analogy. Yeah. Once you, once you say something is the thing, you kind of can't take it back. And then you have to make space for it in your life and accept all the implications, good and bad that come with, that come with quite frankly, caring. Yeah, absolutely. But you are no stranger to this process. I've 
dubbed you the patron saint of pop. I think you've had Thank your you. hand in so many <laughs> in so many projects. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and list them, but like Taylor Swift, Pink, Carly Rae Jepsen, St. Vincent, like you have done so many, not just on your own as a solo project, but you've done different genres. You've done different bits and pieces with it as well. But is there a significant difference in how you create and conjure songs for your own like project, like a Bleachers project compared to when you're producing or writing with other artists? Is there a significant difference? Well, I don't, I mean, when I, you know, I don't write songs, never give them to other artists. So if I'm just sitting writing and kind of wrestling with these big questions, it's, it's for my work. Um, when I work with someone else, it's sort of joining up to, you know, go on this journey to, to, to see this thing and, and do it. And, and I have, you know, Patrick Berger produced the Bleachers record with me. So I just sort of am on the other side of it. It's interesting because they're very, very, very different uh, ways of working, but your body does the same thing. And that's what's, what's funny. You're playing, you're singing, you're in the studio, you're in the same place, you're having the same movements, but you're coming at it from such an emotionally different side. Um, and I really love both. They, 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 they both fulfill me in very different ways. What is it that does drive you as an artist and a creative then? I mean, obviously you, people can throw influences and sound alikes of certain things, but what is it like beyond music that actually drives you as a creative these days? I think it's a longing to connect. You know, I, I always think of songs or albums as these things that come from very deep part, parts of you both the songs and the way they sound, you know, if you're doing it right, it's coming from a very deep place. And then this act of throwing it out into the world is almost like an act of faith of saying like, I think I'm alone, but I also have hope that some people out there might agree. And you're not looking for everyone. You're just looking for your people. That's, that's what bleachers is. That's what my audience is. If I'm making records to other people, that's what we're looking for. Like just your people. And so you throw these very personal, almost like messages and bottles out. And you start to find people who haven't necessarily had your experience, but the way you articulate it and the lens in which your experience is how you see the world uh, through um, is something that they can see themselves in. And then you feel less alone and then you're in conversation and then you're moving from one thing to the next. And the context of this album is changed by the, then, then it's this big dialogue, which is beautiful, yeah. but, but, it is, but it is all a function of feeling, um, you know, not, not as if you're walking the earth alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like how you say that. I actually got to sneak onto a Zoom that you did. I think I kind of remember it feels like a couple of weeks back. It might have only been yesterday. But I kind of really liked what you said where you were talking about the um, strange but beautiful relationship you do have with where you come from in New Jersey. Like it kind of sparked something in me. I couldn't be from a diff more different place. I'm from the Gold Coast in Queensland in Australia. It's very plastic and you know commercialized and all of that but it had so many bits of beauty and I think I felt this really strange disconnection from it growing up even though I was so lucky and so fortunate and I had to leave I moved to Sydney and then I've always felt this pull back to it and I've really enjoyed seeing not just in your music how you kind of I, I saw those things coming out of it but how you've kind of spoken about where you come from as well in New Jersey and you've explored all of that like how much you come, of you come you to come realize at some point, because sorry, but just to jump on when you said, you come to yeah. realize that it doesn't matter if you like it, where you're from and the culture of where you're from is deeply embedded in you and is, like I said, the lens in which you see a lot of things. So it's not about your personal preference, it's about recognizing yourself within it. 
Absolutely. And I think that's the key secret as I've, again, like getting older, I keep coming back to that. It's interesting how you kind of do shift in that. And so how much of where you come from still speaks through your art? Like, do you still feel there are stories to share from that really formative part of your life? I do. But more importantly, I I see it as kind of like a filter on how I see the world, you know, so whether, whether I like it or not, it's, I'm trying to understand, you know, you, you, you want to talk about things and, and you want to like talk at your future self through songs, but you also want to like simultaneously recognize how you even see things. Um, that's something I really started doing on this album is, you know, and there's lots of sort of devices to do it, but, but I, I think both feelings should be present. You're both, there's the subject and there's a the sentiment and there's what you're literally talking about, but then also at the same time, really recognizing the way you're talking about it. And that can, and, and you could do that by playing off of it with the music. You could do it by literally recognizing it in the lyric. You could do it by even like having a, 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 a lyric that should feel a certain way, but you sing it a certain way that is giving a nod to sort of like the way you actually see it. You know, there can be so much humor or, or, or darkness. And a lot of those things come from early, early spaces in you of where you grew up and what your culture is and, and how you learn to see the world. Absolutely. And it's amazing. We are so similar with our differences in the same way. And I think that's what's amazing with art is it gives us a way to connect even when we're all sitting at home or we're all trying to grapple with the world, regardless of a pandemic. It is incredible that your song and your music that comes from something so unique and so personal can just transcend. And like you said, you find your people and it reaches beyond what, you know, yeah. whether you not, know um, it or not. It totally. And it's also like, all data aside and streaming, it's so non-quantifiable to even know who, where, how, and what they're feeling. Um, and so, yeah, there's so much faith baked into not only making music, but releasing music. Definitely. Coming up after this short break, Jack chats his early days in the land of punk, some wholesome pinch me moments, and the joys of finding your people through music. Stick around. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast, Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. I mean, obviously, I know you guys have started to get back to normal a little bit more over in the States now, and we're seeing a little bit through the, you know, other end of the tunnel with it all. Is there a particular song on the album that you haven't been able to play live yet that you absolutely cannot wait to give to your fans live on stage in person? I mean, all of them, but the, but the, the, there's a song called um, There's a song called Don't Go Dark, which is such a live song. It's just like, I just, like, I feel it. I, I can imagine myself playing it. Um, but it's weird because actually there's a really a song that closes the album and it's, and it's somewhat of a very quiet, sad song called What Do I Do With All This Faith? And it's just, it always meant so much to me, but it's come to mean more somehow. Uh, just this question of like, you're, you're spilling over with faith, you don't know where to put it. And it's just almost like unearned, but you have it. And it's a big sentiment of the album with all this unearned hope and faith. Why is it there and how do I keep it? Mm. Well, again, it's just something so universal and it's that kind of amazing thing when something can come to life in a live setting like that. So that will be incredible for many of us. And I know it may seem like an eternity away before we could even have you in Australia and, you know, getting outside your country. But do you find there are particular 
trademarks of a Jack Antonoff fan when you do play outside of your home country? Like, is there a typical fan that you come across or is it kind of a bit across the board? It's across the board, but there's I, sometimes I think about it like, you know, remember like being in high school and you get there and you're, oh, uh, you feel so other. And then there's hundreds of people. And then it's just sort of across from you see someone, it could be anything. It could be a feeling like, oh, that's one of my people, you know? So sometimes when I see kind of like bleachers people, like, you know, sometimes it's something as like specific as like a, a way they wear their clothes or this or that. But but sometimes it's just a feeling where I'm like, oh, I, I see you and you see me. And, you know, that's big. Yeah, it's amazing too. I think when you go to a gig or something like that, you just, it kind of feels like a family in a way. And it just gives you that sense of belonging, regardless of how similar yeah. or different you are. Again, it just transcends well, you're, all you're, that. Everyone's there because they at least agree on one thing. And that's <laughs> kind of yep. magical. And then there's this faith of, well, if we agree on this and this music, then what else? And that's when you start to see like, through the years, like fans who like meet each other at shows and get married. And then, you know, because, because, you know, it's not a small preference. It's not like I like tomatoes or I like pasta or something. You know, the music you listen to says so much about you and says so much about how you see yourself and, and you know, what what's valuable to you. Mm, absolutely. It's phenomenal. And if you'll indulge me momentarily for a brief spot of time travel, your earlier music pursuits seem to have like a pretty significant jumping off point when you and some school friends went punk and you formed Outline. How punk are we talking here? What influences sparked Outline back in the day? This was New Jersey, uh, you know, like basically the year 2000. So like all the big influences were sort of like the hardcore of the 80s in Washington, D.C. It sort of like trickled up the coast and, you know, everything was like sort of, to quote Kid Dynamite, shorter, louder, faster. And, uh, you know, it was cool because it was, there's so many different angles to, being an artist and 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 that those experiences made me fall in love with community touring sort of like the energy of playing live more than the sound of it uh which is a very separate love than like writing and recording and producing and you know and you and you have to kind of have your 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 falling in love moment with these different things if you're going to live within them yeah absolutely and can you take me back to the, do you remember the first live gig outline ever played? Like, do you remember that moment yeah, walking we on stage? It, um, well, there was no stage, but we walked up <laughs> there. We walked out there and it was a school, like talent show. And I remember um, it's magic, you know, it's magic to, to play. It is every, every time I've ever done it. Um, but there's very, very few moments, I think, unless they're all going to come later, but in my experience, there's only so many moments in someone's life when you're like, do something, you're like, I'm right where I want to be. Um, not, not for sadness, you know, not, I don't mean it to be dark, but like you only get so many. And, and so not only do you remember them, but you build on them. And that, that was that show and kind of here, where I am now. Yeah. And that's, I guess, leads into the next question, considering what looking at that trajectory since that moment, you've ticked off some pretty incredible things and you've had so much success, so much acclaim. Do you still get pinch me moments, even though you've come so far since that first point walking out? Constantly, but but my biggest pinch me moments are usually like when you get a song or when you get something to sound right and you can't believe, you know, because like, I, like I said, everything feels like the last time you're ever going to do it. Um, so those moments when you're in the studio and you're just like, oh, fuck, I got one. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Like, you just know it. It feels so good and scary and daunting. And you're just like, oh, like. 
I got one, you know, I just, I got one. That's, that's when you're just like, you can't believe it's, it's, it's happening. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that come to mind first. Yeah. Oh, it's again, it's that moment that can't be forced. It just has to happen organically. And yeah. wouldn't it be amazing if you could just push a switch, but also it's that spontaneity of it. I think that makes it even more special. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's where you, that's where the value is. You know, if you could push mm. the switch, then I would be, you know, a microwave. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And I guess like you kind of touched on it just before, but you obviously perform, you record, you write, you produce, you do all of this stuff. Is there one particular aspect out of all of it that you find yourself enjoying the most at the end of the day, or is it just the constant flux and constant flow flitting between all of this that really, really no, they're, they're all in conversation and, and do different things for me. And, and I imagine it, you know, sometimes I ask friends of mine, I'm like, well, like, you like, do you like enjoy your kids in different ways? They're like, no. I'm like, do you like one better? Like, no, no, no. They're like, and you can't even know how absurd the question is until you're there. It's like, they're just, you just, I'm like, but it, it, it reminds me of that kind of feeling that I get from them. It's sort of like, no, they're just, these things are, you could never choose. They're, they're so valuable and so different. Well, it's Kate's, Kate's life. Interesting. Kate's life a bit spicy, I think too. And that's, yeah, it's such a good point. Like, I mean, even though I feel like a lot of my friends do secretly have a favorite child, but they do love them all at the end of the day. So. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, no favorite child. Depends yet, on the so. day. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know when I get more, more fucked up. <laughs> Excellent. We'll check in and see how we go. So well, in honor of your brand new album, take the sadness out of Saturday night. What's something we'd catch Jack Antonoff doing to chase the blues out of a Saturday night generally? Um, walking. I walk. Mm. I love to be, I, especially in New York, I love to be alone with people because yeah. I get to be with me and I get to experience myself and have my thoughts, but I get to not feel, that's why I love cities. I not feel so like I get, like if, if it gets a little dark or sad, I could just sort of focus on someone else and think about their life and imagine and wonder and just be a little less in my own mess. Yeah. I think that's super healthy. I the other day I just walked outside and someone walked past me and it was just felt so jarring and I was like, oh yeah, it's good. It's good to take my ego out a little bit and remember there are everyone else trying to just get through the day and yeah, it's yeah. very helpful. It really can it really can lead you onto this path of sort of like, well, we're all here, so do the best you can. Yeah, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And obviously, the impending album is something that is such a huge milestone for this year. But is there anything else beyond this next little? short horizon with the album release that you have planned is there anything you can reveal for what may be on the cards uh i'm pretty focused right here and you know just just kind of holding this moment as tightly as i can yeah absolutely well i won't keep you much longer because i know you have plenty of other things to be doing to enjoy it's this lovely to talk well, to you i, I hope i can get down there post pandemic and talk further and i really appreciate talking to you yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for the chat and all the best for the album release. Can't wait to see what the rest of the year holds. Take care. Thanks so much, Jack. And Jack Antonoff is ready to take the sadness out of your Saturday night deal listener and potentially out of any other parts of your life as well. Yes, the brand new Bleachers album, Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night, is officially out in the world right now, ready to charm you silly and whisk you away from the world for a beautiful while. A big thank you to Jack for spending some time with me today and no doubt we will be seeing and definitely hearing a lot more from this amazing man as he continues to take over the musical realms. Want more music, comedy and general shenanigans in your life? Well, I have good news for people who like podcasts. 
You can have a heap of fun chats in your life if you head on over to thepodcast.com.au. You will not only find previous episodes of The Green Room, there's also a heap of other podcasts that'll keep you occupied while we all flounder in this weird limbo time we're in at the moment. And if you do like what you're hearing today, hey, let's be metaphorical friends, chuck the podcast a like or a subscribe, or you can even head over to YouTube and have a listen and a watch too. If you type in The Green Room with Tiana Spita, you will find what you're looking for. You're a multitasker, I believe in you. As always, you can catch up on The Green Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you normally like to get your podcasts from. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to hang in your ears. Let's hang out again next week. Same time, same place. from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson providing research, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Trewick.